Our text this morning comes from Genesis, the first chapter, the first through the third verse. And there we read, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day on the Christian calendar when we celebrate the Holy Spirit's coming down to indwell the followers of Jesus Christ. It is on this day, which happens to be 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the church or the ecclesia or the called out ones of God was born. It is recorded in the second chapter of the book of Acts. And when the Spirit of God descended on the 120 followers of Jesus, they began speaking out loud in new languages from around the world. This ended up creating such a commotion that thousands who were in Jerusalem at the time came out to see what was happening. And in the midst of this gathering crowd, Peter stood right in the middle and spoke the very first gospel message, and 3,000 people were saved. The number of believers in the gospel has been growing continually ever since that Pentecost Sunday. And whether you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or not, your life has somehow been impacted in one way or another by the events of that Pentecost Sunday. Many people in the church today, even on this day, they yearn and they long for a return to that event. And they're looking for similar experiences and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to the point where they're all speaking in other tongues. It's a dramatic sign, and they all try to even recreate what happened on that first Pentecost Sunday on this day that we celebrate it. But the truth is, the Spirit of God has been moving since the beginning of creation. And while the event at Pentecost was itself explosive, there are some explosions that took place in the Bible that preceded Pentecost Sunday. And for that, I'm going to speak this morning from the subject the Big Bang. Scientists are struggling to explain everything we can see in the universe today. Whether it is stars or planets or comets or asteroids, you name it. All because they have concluded that these things were not there before. So where did they come from? The Big Bang Theory, as many of you probably have heard, is an effort for them to try and explain what happened at the very beginning of the universe. Discoveries in astronomy and physics have shown beyond a reasonable doubt that our universe did in fact have a beginning. And prior to that moment, there was nothing. And after that moment, there was something. The Big Bang Theory is an effort to try and explain 
explain what happened at that moment. Now, the theory goes like this. Now, this is not a science lesson, but I want you to have context. The theory goes something like this, that our universe sprang into existence from something called a singularity. Hmm. And this happened about 13.7 billion years ago. A singularity is this idea that our universe began as a very, very small, very, very hot, very, very dense something. Where did it come from? They don't know. Why did it appear? They don't know. They just know it's a something. The driving force behind this something started in 1927 when an astronomer named George Lemaire had an idea. He said, a very long time ago, there was a little thing and it stretched. And it hasn't stopped stretching since the beginning of time. Two years later, another astronomer by the name of Edwin Hubble, he noticed that galaxies were moving further and further away. And here's what he noticed. He noticed that the galaxies that were furthest away was moving faster than the galaxies that are closer. So he concluded that if something is moving further and further away, then it stands to reason there was a time when it was closer and closer together. And it's when it became closer and closer together that they said you had this big bang. And everything starts moving as a result. A great way to illustrate this is if you've ever taken a pebble and you drop it in water, what do you see? You see those circles, those concentric circles that move further and further and further away. It's sort of like that. They believe the universe started that way. Boom! And all of a sudden, you got me and you. Now, this is the essence of the Big Bang Theory. The bottom line is simply this, church. As far as the scientists can tell, the Earth and the galaxy, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the animals, all that we can see in reality is nothing more than an accident. The dictionary defines an accident as an unfortunate incident that happens unexpectedly and unintentionally, typically resulting in damage or injury. It also says an accident is an event that happens by chance or that is without apparent or deliberate cause. The work of chance. It's the property of a thing that is not essential to its nature. All of these definitions apply to what scientists attribute our universe to as the Big Bang. And it would seem that while I appreciate the scholarship of the scientific community, for me, this theory falls woefully short of any plausible explanation for all that we see. It is unfathomable to me that the wonder, the mystery of the universe, the majesty of creation happened unexpectedly and unintentionally, by chance and without deliberate cause. I refuse to believe that the explanation of creation, and more importantly, your existence and mine, is purposeless and meaningless, without cause and reason, by chance, and non-essential to our nature. I refuse to believe that. 
As a matter of fact, I think the Apostle Paul agrees with me when he said in Romans, the first chapter, the 18th to the 22nd verse, here is what the Apostle Paul says, his words, not mine. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. I agree with the Apostle Paul. So the thought that you and I are an accident, that you and I are, 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 are a mistake is completely antithetical to any form of common sense. And I reject the scientific theory called the Big Bang. I reject that interpretation of the Big Bang. Now notice I said that interpretation of the Big Bang because my brothers and sisters, there was another Big Bang. We're introduced to this big bang in, in the first chapter of Genesis. It's altogether a completely different account than what the scientific community are telling us. The big bang is a very, very different story than the big bang theory. God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first sentence, this very first sentence, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, summarizes the entire story and its main theme and its thesis is clear. The main theme is creation and the thesis is that it's creation by God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The mere assertion that it is God who made all things come into being immediately negates any implication that all of what we see happened by chance or by accident. God was intentional. God was deliberate. God made what he wanted. And you are a product of God's heart and God's mind. You are not now nor ever will be a mistake. You were deliberately intended to be here on this day because God saw fit to make and to create you. That's what I believe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et ha'aretz. Hebrew for the very same thing I just told you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is a starting point of faith in the Bible. If you cannot get past this statement, it is pointless to read anything else in the Bible. This is a starting point of faith. How God did it, I don't know. Why God did it, I don't know. What we do know is that he did it and it was good. In fact, it was very, very good. But the second verse is a little more mysterious than the first. Stay with me, church. 
The second verse is a little more mysterious than the first. Here's what it says. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Whatever the earth was at this point, it is clear from the Bible that it is something very different from the earth that you and I are seeing today. We know this because the earth, as in dry land, did not appear until day three. So this earth, whatever it was, we call it a primordial earth. It was watery. It was formless. It was chaotic. It was mobile, but it was lifeless. It was an undifferentiated mass of disorderly stuff. Whatever it was, it was messy. And out of this global mass of confusion and uselessness, everything in life came to be. God begins a, begins a process of demarcation, differentiation, distinction, and separation that will transform this chaos into an orderly, organized construct. The earth will no longer look the way that it used to. It will be a new creation. Behold, the old will have passed away. But to do this, God introduces us to something called the ruach. That's Hebrew for the wind or the breath of God. The ruach of God. The Holy Spirit now inaugurates what I call the first Pentecost. Unless you are Pentecostal, we tend to talk less about the Holy Spirit in a lot of mainline churches. We can relate to the Father, we can relate to the Son, but we're not quite sure how to make, what to make of this Holy Spirit. You know, I can imagine God as Father. I can imagine Jesus as son, but I don't know what to make of the Holy Spirit. Is it a he? Is it a she? Is it a it? Is it a what? I have no idea. All I know is that it's a wind that blows to and fro. I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects that it has on the trees. I don't know what to make of this Holy Spirit. Now, 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 in Genesis it says, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit, the Ruach of God, was hovering over these waters. As we read the rest of creation, we see that God then speaks, and what he speaks comes into being. It is evident from this verse that it is the activity of the Holy Spirit, this hovering over this chaos, which brings the word out of the Father. And, and it brings it into functional being. Look at what it says in Psalms 140, verse 30. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So, so, so the Holy Spirit is hovering over chaos, and when the Holy Spirit is hovering, God speaks. God does something when the Holy Spirit is doing something. And it says, when you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. Now, God doesn't change his mind. He, 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 he's very deliberate. He's very intentional. And, and when you look at the story of creation of humanity in Genesis, the second chapter and verse 7, here's what it says. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became what? A living being. So here we have the breath of God that's doing something different. It's breathing. 
So the Holy Spirit has a primary role in creation. God the Father speaks, and God the Holy Spirit brings creativity of God's will into being. So my point is simply this, that whenever God is getting ready to do something big or new or even creative, it does not happen unless the ruach or the wind or the breath of God moves. Let that sink into your spirits. Whenever God is getting ready to change something in your life, understand that the first step is the move. Of his spirit. When God is ready to change anything in your life, hear me, the Holy Spirit moves. Now don't miss this. From a watery, formless, chaotic, lifeless, undifferentiated mass of disorderly stuff out of a globular mass of confusion and uselessness, the Holy Spirit hovered across the chaos. And then boom! God spoke, and disorder becomes order. Darkness becomes light. It was a cosmic explosion of epic proportions, so much so that the verses that follow became, became a continuum of extreme creativity. You don't believe me? Here, after this boom, you've got let there be day, let there be night, let there be waters above, let there be waters below, let there be dry land, let there be seas, let there be vegetation, let there be trees, let there be suns, let there be moons, let there be fish, let there be birds, let there be animals, let there be man. Boom! An explosion of creativity that happens when the Spirit of God moves a whole bunch of lets. This is what I mean by the Big Bang. It was an explosion of God's ultimate creativity and why I consider this the very first Pentecost. But there was another Big Bang. And this I call, when this Big Bang occurred, it inaugurated for me the second Pentecost. This second Pentecost took place after Jesus spent three years walking with his disciples and teaching them the ways of the Father. Jesus performed miracle after miracle in an effort to demonstrate the validity of his claims. But by doing so, it caused many to think of him as a troublemaker and a problem. So they conspired to kill him and even beguiled one of his own to betray him. They arrested him and they illegally tried him. They accused him and they spat on him. They mocked him and they insulted him. They flogged him and they beat him. They scourged him and they nailed him. They condemned him and they hung him. They pierced him and they killed him. But if that were not enough, they unhung him and they wrapped him. They laid him and they buried him. They sealed him, then they left him. But on the third day, the Ruach of God, the wind of God, the breath of God would move once again. And there was another epic explosion of cosmic proportions so that the earth quaked and the mountains rumbled. Jesus walked out of the tomb and became the light of the world. That same power from the beginning of creation raised Jesus 
from the grave and things would never be the same again. This was another big bang and why I consider it the second Pentecost. But there still was another big bang which inaugurated the third and final Pentecost. So let's recap. The first Pentecost was a demonstration of the big bang that the Holy Spirit moved and caused all of the universe to be created. The second Pentecost was a demonstration of the big bang at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we have another big bang, which is the third Pentecost. Many people, even Christians, misunderstand the meaning of the power of the Holy Spirit. They tend to define power as the way the world defines power. In other words, you have power when you can control people and when you can control events, circumstances to your own advantage. The world, they have a sense that you have power when you can call people rocket man and think that they're going to respond the way you want to. Are you hearing me, church? You think that you can go around the laws because you think that you're sitting in an oval office. It's the world's way of thinking that they have power. And this kind of power is the kind that doesn't think it needs God's help at all. So they don't think they have to ask for forgiveness. So I'm trying to explain to you that the way the world sees power is very different from the way God sees power. And, and when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, the, whole, the Bible gives us a different picture of power. Stay with me, church. We're almost at the end. The word power is translated in the English Bible as dynamis, from which we get the word dynamite. And, and in Acts 1-8, Jesus told his disciples that before they would be able to evangelize the world, they must receive the dynamis. They must receive the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit possesses a dynamite-like power that works within every single person who believes in Jesus Christ. It does not manipulate or control other people. Instead, it uses its power to break strongholds and to break us and to remake us. The power we get... The, the ability we get to move ourselves out of our own way and yield to God's will is the dynamite power that is inside every believer. It's a thing that's able to transform lives. You know what I'm talking about. How hard is it for you to forgive someone who is unforgivable? And the moment that you can do that is because the dynamite power of God is working on your callous heart. The power of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit is the only power that is sufficient enough to win spiritual battles against our own selfish desires. This is how you defeat Satan. So, so church, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here we have the Holy Spirit moving again. 
This event at Pentecost was another explosion of cosmic proportions of a, on a bunch of raggedy disciples who happened to be in the same place and on one accord. And from then on, nothing ever remained the same again. The church was birthed with the explosive power of the dynamite that Jesus told the disciples they were to wait for. They had now received it. And what I love about God is that he's the same yesterday today and forever. So what was true for the Holy Spirit then is still true for the Holy Spirit even right now and today. The same Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God's ra God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So guess what, church? God, hear me clearly, God is still attracted to the broken and the busted. God is still attracted to the challenged and the chaotic. God is still attracted to the displaced and the distraught. God is still attracted to the lowly and the less than. So if any of this sounds like you, then you're in the right place at the right time for a Holy Spirit big bang. And in this big bang, weakness becomes strength. In this big bang, crooked becomes straight. In this big bang, valleys become mountains. In this big bang, hate becomes love. And in this big bang, the impossible becomes possible and you will never be the same again. Unlike the big bang theory of the scientific community, the big bang of the Holy Spirit is intentional. It is deliberate and it is unconditional. God is always attracted to the mess in our lives and he wants to bring order and structure to your chaos. God wants to redeem you for himself and the more chaotic your life is the more God is glorified but before you can experience your own big bang you need to open up your heart to receive by believing what he said he will do do you want to feel the ruach the wind of God and the breath of God on your soul today well Jesus made it possible when he died on the cross and all he asked is that you just believe just believe I went through all of that to explain to you that if you want to see something explode in your life, invite the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit move when the Holy Spirit wants to move. There are things that God is telling you to do. There are things that God is instructing you to do. There are things that you know within your heart that God says, do this. But because you refuse, because we get comfortable in our mess, we get comfortable in our chaos, we get comfortable in all of what we're used to because it's always been the way it's always been. If you want something new, then let God move. Because the moment God breathes on you, the moment the Spirit moves on you, brothers and sisters, believe me when I tell you, you will never be the same again, ever. God is intentional, God is deliberate, and his love is unconditional, and it's available for you. May God richly bless you, my beloved.